You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instructions. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live streamed services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Over everything that this message has to offer towards us, Father, it's not just a message, but it's a truth that will help us and set us free and take us, Father, to a new place. We believe it with our hearts in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Okay, so I'm going to start... Uh, I don't, I don't even call it a series because it might just be, well, I guess if it's two messages, it's a series, right? But I have two messages, and they're based, and it's gonna, I, I know it's really going to help you. It's going to bless you. Oh, again, see, I'm not used to this, Miss Angie. Release the beautiful children, all children's church, all people that aren't supposed to be in this building leave. No, just kidding. <laughs> God bless you all. See why we need, we need you, know, you know, Kathy had to take a weekend off, so we need people to fill in when she's not here, because it's like awkward, like, I don't know, I do announcements. What are the announcements, Pastor? Ask Kathy, all right? <laughs> Let's get into it. So this is a really interesting, the way this message came about, because I was like on a whole, usually I don't, so you understand how, how things work. I have a system that I believe a church should cover every year, certain foundational things, you know, because you got new people coming and going. And I kind of go through that, and I had something like, you know, coming out of what we talked about, the Ecclesia, because I want to build on that, obviously. And, and that, by the way, was not even close to finished. If you look at my notes and you look what it finally delivered in three hours, it's not even close. But, you know, you got the, hopefully you got the meat of it that, that we are, we're not, you know, we're a church, but we're not a building. You know, because we've got to break. So, you know, we spent a you know, whole month on, on the idea of Ecclesia, so I was kind of moving in a different direction. But then, you know, the first part of the week, I just... You know, when you've been doing this almost 30 years, you know when the shoe doesn't fit. <laughs> and I'm on a track of study, and I'm on a track of preaching, and, and the shoe doesn't fit, right? And it's like, okay, it's good, but it's just like, uh. And I just finally stop about midweek, and, and I'm starting to feel kind of off, because that's not my style. I'm like, okay, Lord, so we're not going there. And I've been working on that for literally a few months, you know, off and on. I don't lock myself for a few months. And now, so I'm kind of like, okay. And then, you know, just as the week developed, the Lord is just, you know, he takes me, and it's not a big voice from heaven. I just kind of feel promptings. And then I say, okay, so this is the direction. And here's where we ended up. So I want to talk about, I want you to go to Joshua chapter 1. And this is just an introduction, because I want to pull something out that just jumped at me. So the title, you can go back, RJ. So the title, you know, give me, give me a title, Finding Strength in Times of Battle. That's what we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks. And I don't want to say, if you're breathing... You have gone through a battle. Can I hear an amen? Yes. So like, you know, somebody says, well, I never experienced trouble. You must be the only one on the planet. <laughs> so one of the keys to, to getting through challenges in life is not just, well, I've got I to win this whatever situation I'm going, bad doctor's report, bad marriage situation. You know, we could go on and on and on with all the different things that life throws at us. But sometimes it's, you know, we're so focused on fighting it that we don't realize that the thing that we need is strength. And... You know, that one idea comes from, it's actually all over the Bible, but I just want to pull out, in Joshua, he repeats it many, many times in the book of Joshua. But right at the get-go, he repeats it a lot of times, and this is a phrase. You can go to Joshua. So he says, you know, for those of you, 
Let me give you a little bit of Bible history real quick. Two, you know, one minute Bible history, in case you don't know this. So Moses, children of Israel, in captivity over 400 years. God calls Moses out. He delivers them. They spend 40 years in the desert. You know, this is a quick capsule for those that, you know, don't know this. And then they're about to go to final destination. You know, this is their final take over the land. Moses dies, and the second in command gets the charge. Now, you're, you're talking about leading probably around 6 million people. You know, that's a lot, you know, in the desert. And he gets instructions on how to do it. And God doesn't give him like a playbook. He just simply gives him a few things that he repeats. Now, on one nine, he's already repeated this once at least. I mean, on verse 9. But the idea that he, that basically what he told, he told Joshua, he said, if you meditate on my word, day and night, you will win this thing. That was pretty much the whole battle plan. But then he, did, that he, he kept adding this little phrase, which goes on through the whole Bible. I mean, you, keep, you, you find different, different versions of these two little words, which is strong and courageous. It's just all over the Bible. You know, every, you know God would talk to somebody and say, be strong and courageous. Be, but especially for Joshua, he really made a big point, says, Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. So basically he said, be strong and courageous, don't be frightened, and do be not dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, that's a beautiful scripture that will preach all day, because that is still the truth. You know, and if you find yourself in being dismayed and being confused and being, you know, distraught about life, the truth is still the same. God is still there, regardless if you feel him or not. Can I hear an amen? So I want to talk to you about how to be strong in battle. So, so the idea, first of all, is strength. And, of course, in my little weird way of thinking, I'm thinking strength. Well, you need energy, right? You need, so when we talk about strength, we talk about... So basically, let me, let me back up. I'm ahead. So that's really what we're going to do for the next two weeks. We're going to talk about strength, and we're going to talk about biblical courage. Because you need both to survive in this life. Amen? You need to have these things. Be, and, and, you know, I haven't really heard that many messages in my life. I'm sure I have where you just really take those two ideas. Why do we need strength and why do we need courage? Why is this so important in everyday life and, and, and balancing this? So going back to the idea of strong, I'm thinking, okay, strong, strength, energy. So I realized, you know, I grew up in a generation. I'm, I'm feeling old. I'm not that old, but how many of you remember before there existed energy drinks? Anybody? There was a world without energy drinks, millennials. And I'm thinking, what's, why do you all need all that energy? I mean, it's like, it's an insane amount of money that goes into this thing. So why are people no energy? What happened to the generations? Because back in our day, we had coffee. I know I'm going to put it out there. We had cigarettes. And you maintained your whole day with that. <laughs> Very unhealthy, and you're going to die. But then we have, you know, and I'm thinking, maybe the reason there's so many energy drinks, and especially is because all the millennials stay up all night on their TikTok, so they need energy drinks in the morning. So this is perfect marketing. You invent TikTok right after you invented the energy drinks and you combine it and you got a, a wonderful market plan. But I'm thinking, you know, why is this obsession with energy? We have to be on, you know, we have to strength and we have to be always be on. And so what are we doing? We're now, instead of just, I know I'm going to go on a little rabbit trail, but instead of just letting our natural body find its energy, you know, we fill it with supplements and sometimes legal, sometimes illegal or energy drinks, what have you. But the bottom line is, we live in a generation that is desperately starving for strength. So, you know, in the natural world, we just got to keep going, you know, we got to keep our edge up, so we just tug the energy drinks or whatever. But what happens in the spiritual realm? What happens when you start navigating into this? Because, you know, after you do this for a while, you find out that you can get weary in well-doing. And one of the things that I see in church, especially among our leaders and as a pastor, when I'm 
I see it in my life, and obviously it's going to manifest within our leadership, is if we're not careful, we can, get, we can be so busy doing church or doing God that we realize that we misstepped and didn't develop this. Because you cannot go through life without understanding these principles. And this will navigate. So when I'm talking about strength, this is going to help you at every level. So if you feel yourself physically drained, like most of us do most of the time anyway, we just, you know, but how about emotionally drained? What about spiritually drained? Those, you know, you are are a triune being. So every time you, you talk about something in your life that is like this, right, you know, I'm going through this, I'm going through that. You've got you to gotta break it down into three arenas. You can't just say, well, I'm sick. Okay, where are you sick? Are you sick in your physical body? Are you sick in your mental or your emotional arena or your soulish arena? Or are you sick spiritually, right? Same things, are you healthy? Same things, are you, do you, are you, are you energized in your natural body? Are you energized in your emotional, soulish arena? Are you energized spiritually, Right? So in every area of your life, these things are going to manifest in different ways. But the bottom line is God gave us instructions that he said one of the things is, is that we have to develop this. So I want to take you a story that is really, you know, it's one of those Bible stories that has a deep meaning in my life for various reasons. I don't have to go through all that. But, you know, I want you to go to 1 Samuel 30. And I'm just going to pull out a few. This is a really long story. I mean, it backs up. You have to kind of back it up and then go forward, see what happens. But David, King David, um, he was a great man of war. And I'll give you the backstory again so we don't have to read further in or further behind. And he created a, a team. And this is, you know, kind of, you know, Saul's been chasing him, trying to kill him. So David's got these followers, and these are some tough dudes. There's actually a description in the Bible of who these guys are, the mighty men of David. And they were, I mean... They were beasts. You know, you, you, they break them down. And David had, would go, right? And they were, they were more kind of like a, you know, special forces. And they were fighting these battles, and they were winning. But one time, you know, they went to this battle, and they're winning. You know, they win the battle, but when they come home, they find out that the enemy, because they had various enemies, they didn't have one enemy, came in and ravaged their camp. And that's where we're at. And, and let's find out, because a lot of stuff happens here. And, and trust me, you know, this is something that I sometimes revisit in my life, because after I read it, maybe you've been there. Maybe you've felt there. Okay, so let, let's, let's go into it. And we're going to talk about this idea of, of spiritual strength and where it comes from. So David destroys Amalekai. So remember that idea. That's the introduction. That's not a verse. So that means he's coming from a victory. And sometimes when we come from victory, we're pumped, right? Woo, we're victory. And sometimes the worst time or the most vulnerable time in your life is when you come out of a victory. (laughs) Because it's like, boom, there's another one waiting for you. And that's exactly what happened. So this is the story. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at the town of Ziklag, they found the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag, and they had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what happened to their families, they wept until... They could weep no more. Now, first of all, again, who is crying till they can cry no more? These are mighty men. These are warriors. This is, you know, this is like a bunch of Navy SEALs crying. The devastation was so profound, and their idea of what the devastation had caused, they don't know, you know, we're reading history. At this point, they don't know if their kids are dead. They don't know nothing. They just came back home. Their camp is destroyed. 
You know, they just burn the whole thing down. All their kids are gone, and all their wives are gone. And these mighty men are worn out from battle. And let me tell you something about, about this, why this is important. You know, life is, I, I don't like to use the word battle because it means like, oh, life is just a battle. No, life is not a battle. Life just comes with stuff, <laughs> lots of stuff. And sometimes, you know, when we're strong and we're fighting it and, and, and we're doing good, right? We're beating this one here and we're beating that one there and we're knocking this one down and we're knocking this one down. And you, and you think you kind of got this thing figured out. And yes, you're fighting your battles and you're doing good, but then something just sneaks up on you. Anybody? Out of the blue, you didn't expect this one. And that one, even though in, in essence it wasn't maybe bigger than other things you've gone through, but the timing of it was so bad, or, so, or maybe, maybe so good in a negative way, that it just floored you. Now, you don't have to raise your hands. We're talking about life situations. You get a bad medical report, you know, you got a, whatever life throws you. So David is in this place, you know, they're winning, they're doing good, they know they're in God's plan. Remember that. And then this happens. And there's something about negative stuff happening in your life. There's something about stuff showing up that you didn't expect that has a way immediately to tell you that you're wrong. And where is God, and how come it's not working? Anybody? You know, a lot of empty chairs in this church, not all of them, a lot of empty chairs are people that couldn't navigate through that. And that's really why I, where I'm going with this. And I've said this many times this year by itself, I've said it I know more than once, is that we have a lot of expectations that are based on wrong information. And we have to correct the information to get the expectations right. Because then church is full of really weird expectations of what God does and God doesn't do, and when your expectation doesn't line up with what, <laughs> what God actually is doing, you get mad at God and leave the church. Right? So we got to, you know, I don't, I'm kind of ahead of myself. So David is here, and these men are, are crying out. Remember, these are his best friends. These are, these are the men, if you remember, that went, he was thirsty. Remember that? David was thirsty. And he said, wow, I'd love to have a drink of water from over there. But the only problem is that well surrounded with enemies. Because the water was so good. And he just happened to say, man, I just wish I had a drink of that well. Well, his men loved David so much that they, in the middle of the night, they went to that well and broke through the enemy lines. I don't know how they did it. And they brought him water. They were willing to die for their king. And David honored them so much he didn't drink the water. (laughs) He said, wow, you guys did this. So these people were in covenant with him. They loved him. But look at the next line. It's funny how people turn when, (laughs) when they think it's your fault, right? When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Anioham and Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger. Pay attention to this. Because all his men were bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk about stoning him. You've got to live some of this stuff, because, you know... In life, you might have the same situation, maybe in your family, maybe with friends of yours that you just, you know, you thought through thick and thin they would never leave you. Anybody have that one? Through the hardest thing, we're there, David. We went and got the water, but hey, right now we're so mad at you, we want to kill you. They went from one day willing to die for David to wanting to kill David. <laughs> Feels kind of like our church, right? No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Pastor. Yeah, until <laughs> I say something you don't like. But um, you see 
What a lonely place he's in now. Not only has he lost his wives. By the way, guys, that's Old Testament. Don't get any ideas. He's lost his kids. And if that's not painful enough, he's lost his best friends. Not only lost them, they're willing to kill him. One thing is for your, you know, somebody unfriends you from Facebook. And it's another thing, hey, remember your best friend? Yeah, he's looking to kill you. That's a whole different story. And that was what's happening with David. So think about certain situations in your life where it just seems like it was the one, two, three, four punch. Anybody? You got hit, boom. Oh, okay. Whew. Almost knocked me out. And as soon as you're trying to recover, boom, here comes the next one. And as soon as here comes the next one. And then, you know, the coffin on the nail. Now the only thing you got left is your, your band of brothers, your military band of brothers that were willing to die for you. They just turned on you, dude. They're going to kill you. So David has gone from this glorious place of leading battle to a very, very lonely place of desperation. And, you know, when these things happen, let's move into Christianity a little bit. When these things happen, you know, Christians have an idea that maybe you open the door, and there's a truth to that, you know, but there's times, let me tell you, this is not to let anybody off the hook because we're all a subject to check ourselves. Are you okay with that? You don't need anybody telling you, Hey, fix your life. The Holy Spirit tells you to fix your life. You know, I'm serious. The Holy Spirit, all day, he just kind of, hey, don't be like that. Don't be an idiot, right? But, you know, think about this. You know, you're going through these hardships, and you're piling through them, and somehow you're managing, but then here comes the big one, and this is the one that you say, okay, I'm not going to recover. I am done. And the reason David felt this, because here's what I want you to understand about this whole situation. Let's analyze just from a complete clinical perspective, what's wrong with his friends? Are they just, all of a sudden, they're done? They hate David now? Well, are they, they want somebody to blame? I'm sure they want somebody to blame. But one thing we know is they are very tired. And when you are very tired emotionally, spiritually, and physically, you're going to make some bad decisions. And you're going to have a twisted perspective on things. And these men were worn out. They just wanted to get home, be with their families, hang out, have a dinner. What do they find? Everything destroyed. They have nothing in there to give. The same people that wanted to get the water for David now are the same people who want to kill him. You know, and that is what life does, you know, and that is really what the design of an attack is. You know, the devil's design, and I've learned this, in my life, I'll tell you one thing, it seems like the big, big, big ones, somehow we would, I'm not going to say you're never ready for an attack, but you kind of were ready for it. But sometimes he just keeps sending small things, one after another, after another, after another. And the whole time, what he is doing, he's just draining your spiritual strength, just sucking it right out. And when the time comes for seriousness, you find yourself empty. Amen? And you didn't realize that it was what Jesus called the little foxes. Just little foxes, you know. In this case, it wasn't little foxes. They're willing to kill you. It's a pretty big fox. But, the, but this situation did not just show up. These men, over time, got to this point where they, one big, you know, that one little thing, you know, the, the drop that spills the cup finally comes, and they went from honoring their king to, I want to kill you because it's your fault. So what's my point of this? You know, when we are going through battles, that is really the time to pay attention to when our strength is. Because sometimes we focus too much, okay, I've got I to win this battle. Yeah, you've got to win this battle. I'm going to get the word. I'm, yeah, that's fine. We've got to do that. That's the only way you're going to win. But you miss the step that you need to spend time creating strength. This is what happens when strong men or women, strong spiritually, find themselves overwhelmed with life. 
And you can go from honoring something to the max to want to destroy it. How quick could that turn? Well, what, what, if, what if we changed the name David and we brought it into our modern society and said, have we been there and instead of David being the bad guy, now it's God. Have you ever been there? Oh, I love Jesus, I love God, I love God. And then, then all hell breaks loose and the first person you look at to blame is God. I mean, that's human nature. Don't feel bad. That's what I'm saying. We've got to manage our expectations properly because that attitude's a wrong expectation. But we've been there. I've been there when the why gods. Let's be honest. How many have ever said why God? I got both hands up. There's been things in my life, even as a pastor, I said, Lord, I don't understand this. I need some help here. But you know, when you're worn out, you can go from honoring your king to want to kill him. When you're worn out, you can go from honoring God to not want to do anything with God anymore. I'm just using, no, David's not God. I'm just using an illustration. Because when God shows up in a big testimony in your life, oh, you celebrate God, you come to church, you worship him. But when, it, when all the, everything is off, can you still maintain that heart of worship? Are you with me this morning? Okay. So I'm going to finish reading what happened, but then we're going to go into some things that's going to help you this morning because this is important, and this might move into next week, I don't know, but this is what happens. Verse 6, he was in great danger. They began stoning him, but this is the key, and this is really what we're going to be working on for two weeks. But David found strength in the Lord. Say this with me, his God. He didn't find strength in the Lord God. What was the difference, Pastor? He found strength in the Lord, his God. You see, when we come to church, we come to worship God. But when we leave church, it's our God. You got it? This is corporate, but what matters is individuality. And David, through the whole mess, I think this is such a key to what happened later. Now, let me, I'll, I'll do Paul Harvey on you. You millennials don't know who Paul Harvey is, but anyway... The rest of the story, they got all their stuff back, okay? So the story ended up really good. I don't have time to read the whole story. They got their whole, all their stuff back, all their wives, all their children. I'm sure some of those soldiers said, you can keep a couple of those, you know, we don't take all of them back, you know. But um, he was down, he was broken, and he's watching because his, his men want to kill him. And the only thing he has left in life is he knows where strength comes from. Do you know in the hard times in your life? Because here's a story. David apparently hasn't done nothing really, really wrong. You know, he's winning. He's he's on path to become king. Everything's, I mean, he does some really stupid things in life, trust me. But at this path, but then all of a sudden this, this negative thing happens. So here's a question. Is negative things in your life that have a tendency to suck your strength and other things, you know, are those factors in your relationship with God? Do your, is your worship better when things are going better? That's my question. Because the, the, the most powerful worship and the worship that brings strength to you, ooh, I'm so ahead of my message. The worship that brings strength to you is the worship that comes from a hard place. Hello. Because now your spirit is identifying, you know, today, I was going to do a whole, actually, there's a series down the pipes called Identity Crisis. Identify yourself more with who God is and not what activity or situation is going on in your life currently. That's, that's when everything is bad. If you can go to God and say, Lord, I love you, 
I don't understand this, and I don't know why you're fixing it, but I know you're not the problem. That is a good place to be. Because he's really the only thing you have left, and it's really kind of dumb to blame God for stuff, but we do that all the time. We do that all the time. And again, we're going back to, to, to the foundations of this. So, so David, you know, he goes on, let me finish it. And then he goes to Abathar the priest, and he says, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it, that David asked the Lord, should I chase after these bands of raiders? Will I catch them? I love this, because David didn't just go crazy. He went to see what God said about it. And here's one of the things, when you're going in a, in a, in a season in your life where you find yourself with no strength, no, no spiritual energy, you don't even want to do this anymore, or you're going through such a hard thing in your life that it's just draining you, here's what you've got to go. You've got to ask God questions. You've got to say, okay, Lord, what is, where are we with this? And guess what? He'll answer you. And a lot of the answers come, obviously, there will be peace with it. But he tells them, he doesn't know what to do. David's worn out. His men are worn out. Everybody's worn out. And, and he knows that there's a good chance that when he walks out of the church, they're going to kill him. Because he's in the temple right now. <laughs> but they're still trying to kill him. That hasn't changed. And he goes to God and says, God, so what's the deal? Should I go get him? Now think about it. His, his team is worn out. They're mad. There's dissension in the ranks. And he still asks, and God says, yeah, go get him. You'll get everything back. And the story turns out really awesome. Okay. So anyhow, here we find, once again, David at one of his lowest points of his life, drained physically, emotionally, spiritually. So here's the only point I was making out of that. Have you ever been there? Where everything else, you know, is just crumbled down. And you're like, you know what, Pastor? Even if I knew the fix, there's no strength left in me to fix it. Have you ever been there? I've been there many times. Different situations. All right, let's go. So let's break this down into some of the, some of the notes I want to give you this morning. Um, just let me preface it with a Martin Luther King Jr. quote. He says, if you can't fly, then you run. If you can't run, then you walk. If you can't walk, then you crawl. I love this thing because I'm telling you that whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Amen? So before we go anywhere, you're going to make a decision that whatever life throws at me, I am not going to camp out. I'm not going to build a house in the valley. Even if I don't have any strength left, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I have only one place to go, and that's keep moving forward. All right? So, now give me the, the next one, RJ. Number one, I'm going to just bullet these. I'm gonna, if you want to write them down, that's fine. But what are the things that will limit your strength? Okay, number one. When you find yourself in a situation, or whatever it may be, where you are drained, you've got to find your limitations. And I think one of the limitations, there's a lot we could spend a lot of time, that's not the, that's not the purpose of this teaching this morning, so I'm going to kind of go through them pretty quick. But one of the biggest limitations is your ego. Amen? Meaning there are, you know, your, your ego will speak to you and tell you you are a superhuman. <laughs> you can do it all. You can be mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, uncle, tío, tía, compadre. You can do it all. And pretty soon you convince yourself you can do it all. And you can't. So find your limitations. What, where are your limits? Now, again, don't answer this question, but if you're in a situation, whatever that may be, there are things that you can do, and there are things that you can't do. And most of the time, we are losing strength because we are trying to do the things we are not supposed to be doing. Amen? Remember, God has a job, and you have a job. And guess what? And, the, and people, because most unlikely there's going to be people 
in this conversation, they have a responsibility. And trust me, boy, I've learned this whew, in ministry. This will burn you out. I can, you see, I can bring this, give you the example from ministry. I, I know you can bring it in your home. Well, even you could do it in your home, I guess. For example, when roles are mixed in a marriage, things are off. You know, maybe we should do that someday. And you know, we haven't done one recently, but we, you know, we do these marriage conferences. So we're, we're marriage specialists for couples. And both, you know, in a, in a, in a marriage... Both people have a role. Say amen. And it's not about, you know, who goes to work, who stays on that, that. Forget all about that. We're not talking about that. But if, if the roles aren't defined properly, you, you, and you find this in a lot of relationships, one person in a relationship does everything. Or most everything. I'm talking from, from daily chores in the house to managing the, the house to managing the finances to getting the kids ready to school to... And not always, you know, but that's, you know, a good marriage. What is it? It's a team, right? There's things, and this is the thing about marriage, is that there's things that you cannot do. Guys, let me help you. You can't have babies. I know they say you can, but actually you can't. That's a limitation. Amen? And then, you know, you're talking about, again, I don't want to get on this trip, but, you know, talk about, well, you know, Women are equal as men. I believe they're equal in every, every, every form except physical ability. Can we handle that? And we're proving it to you because now we're putting these men that think are women in women's sports and they're winning. You talk about this nation gone insane. So that proves to me you know, that men are built different than women. Now emotionally and intellectually, I don't, I don't believe there's any difference. I, actually, I think women are way smarter than men. Because, like, when we get married, we just are completely... Well, actually, we don't become stupid. We're already stupid. We're just, it's just pointed out more. When I used to go to Ukraine, this is so embarrassing. I'll show you how much we need our wives. And back then, it was so you had to wear ties. Thank God we got delivered from that. I hated it, but, you know, you, you had to because that was, like, the preacher thing. So my wife would send me my clothes. I mean, I would come, you know, with this, go to Ukraine for two weeks, and you had, you know, suits and ties. And there'd be a little piece of paper. Because I am so dense. She goes, this one goes with that one. Because if me, I would, you know, they say in Spanish, voy a parecer caja fuerte, ¿por qué? Porque no te encuentran la combinación por ningún lado. You know, it's like, if you don't understand, that's a, that only makes sense in Spanish. So I'm not going to translate that joke. But, um, you know, if it was for me, I'd wear like a red shirt with like green pants or something, you know. But my point is, women are not inferior. And that is one of the biggest lies. But sometimes in marriages, men take the position. I'm the one, the man of the house. Yeah, but she's the next, so shut up, all right? And what happens? You limit yourself. And when you are outside of where you're supposed to be, guess what? You are using up strength that's not designed for that, Freddie. Amen? You need all the strength. You need, and I'm going to hit each other one. We're going to talk about spiritual strength, emotional, and, of course, physical. But when you are out of your place, you are using strength that is designed for something else and it's being wasted because you haven't identified your limitations. And I don't want to give you a list because it's not a list. It's something like, are you doing something that you're not supposed to be doing? Are you in a role that you're not... I mean, let's just take it out of marriage then. What about work? What about everything else? If you're not careful in work, and I used to do upper management and you know, I've done it all. There, there, in work, there's a bunch of people. There's a video, I think... Gil and I were laughing about it on TikTok. There's a guy there, they're carrying this thing, and there's one guy behind him acting like he's carrying. Have you ever seen that one? He's like, 
And these are two guys who are like, oh! And he's like, but he's not touching anything. He's just going like this the whole time, right? And they finally put the thing, and he backs up and goes, there's those people that expect you to do their work. And if you're not careful, guess what? You're doing their work. What's happening to your strength? It's draining. So what we're trying to do right now, it's almost like saving money. All you need to save money. Well, stop spending. Uh, really? Is that, that, that's a deep revelation. If you want to save money, you've got to close the valve. <laughs> then you might start saving money. But if you're like, well, I'm going to save money, you've got to close the valve. Well, the same thing. If you feel your life where you say, Pastor, I mean, I'm, I just feel drained all the time. Okay, where is your energy going? That's all I'm asking. Where, where, is, where is your energy going? Because if it's, if it's what, is, what it's suppo- you're supposed to be doing, you're going to have everything you need to get it done. But when you start feeling really, really tired, it's because you're doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing. You know, you're going beyond your limitations. Even in the Bible, God talks about the limitations. They say, you limited the Holy One. We put, you know, in the Bible it says they put a limit on God, and because they put a limit on God, God couldn't help them. So even that, you know, we, we, we carry our limitations. And one of the things, you know, bringing it back to original thought of, of ministry, this thing will burn you out quicker than anything else if you're not careful with it. Because there's a time in, in, in I mean, you saw it today, you know, but, but, you know <laughs> rewind about 20-something years, and it was a handful of us doing everything. And you can, and it would burn people out. And, and as, people, as a church grew and people took leadership positions, that's why I'm saying everyone's needed, not only to, for the health of the church, but for the health of the leadership of the church. Because they need, you know, and what happens in church? You've got the same five people doing everything. Well, guess what? They're, they're outside of their limitations now. And before long, those people will burn up and burn out, and they don't want to serve anymore. And as a pastor, I've got to be careful, and I've got to watch for that, which is hard. But the limitations are a thing that you need to pay attention. Make sure you're not outside of these. Number two, identify wrong expectations. I've been hitting this all morning. And this is just kind of the things that I want to, I hope I don't dig too deep into this point, but it says maintaining error will drain you of energy, spiritual, emotional, and physical. Let your ego accept you've made, oh, that's the wrong maid. That's not the right kind of maid. Sorry about that a mistake, and continue searching for truth. So one of the things that I've done is identifying wrong expectations. Now, let's, let's, wow, this is like a whole sermon in itself, so I'll try to touch it briefly. I mentioned this last week, and I, and, I, and, I, and I read a little quote that I wrote about a month and a half ago. But, you know, the Word of God is pretty cut and dry. You know what messes it up? Us. <laughs> you know, we'll t- like I'm doing, you know, we'll take a scripture and we'll, so, you know, and, and pastors, we're the worst. Sometimes we don't know when to stop. You know, I'll use a scripture this morning, and maybe God wants you to tell you a couple things, and that's as far as he wants to go. You know, Nacio, I just got to beat it down, right? And you keep bringing stuff up, bringing stuff up, bringing stuff up, bringing stuff up. And that is not, and then pretty soon you have these weird ideas floating in the church. Well, God's supposed to do this, and God's supposed to make me rich, and God's supposed, if I give $100, God's supposed to give me 1000 and, you know, and, and healing is supposed to work this way, and if I just anoint with oil and... And we have this huge ideas of what, how God is supposed to move. But the problem is your, your expectations are wrong. I mean, and the expectations came from bad information. And that information has some error in it. And here's the worst thing. You ready? And if you've ever experienced this, I would like you to see if you could raise your hand just to feel I'm not lonely. <laughs> so I'm talking to Christians that have been doing this for a long time. 
you see something in the Bible, and I'm not going to say you're completely in heresy off, but you know, you see a, you see a truth, or let me put it this way, you believe a truth that somebody told you it was this way, and you just took it hook, line, and sinker, and it kind of says the same thing. But over the years, you know, you kind of studied this thing out, and you find out that that's not what it said. Anybody? But here's the thing. Your ego cannot accept the fact that you've been in error for all these years. Because, you know, because your, your ego is telling you, if you accept error, that makes you stupid. Careful with this. How do you know, Pastor? <laughs> I know because it happens to me. There are things that I used to believe. Now, by the way, I don't, I don't think my belief has changed like, but there are things that I, that I thought were the way they were when, in 1993, 94, 95, 96, probably into 2000, 2000. I was just convinced this is the way it is. Well, as, as further study and further insight, I said, you know what, it's not exactly like that. And then I was convinced it was like this. And then after further insight, further study, well, it's not exactly like that. And pretty soon, you know, what, the, what you thought was truth over here to what you realize is truth over here, it's not completely different, but it's a whole different version of it. I don't know if, that, if, you, if everything I said makes sense, but you, you know, be careful even with things that I say. Because if I say something that I believe is truth, that doesn't make it truth. Y'all with me? That's the problem with society today. There are people, they are convinced that whatever they're telling you is the truth. The problem with that is the facts don't align up with that. Well, that can happen within the, you know, again, no, no, no soapboxes, no agendas. But, you know, this whole thing with the, with the gender thing, that is not that complicated. Because when archaeologists go back and dig bones up, bones, there's no meat, there's nothing left, just bones. Sometimes it's just a fragment of a bone. They can tell if that was a woman or a man. Out of, out of a fragment of a bone, they can tell if that was a male or a female. That's just basic science. But, you know, now we got people parading a truth that could be a truth to them. I'm not judging them. And it probably is a truth to them. They really believe. There is, you know, whatever now, like 600 or not, I don't know, but there's way up there, all the genders they have come up with. Well, no, there isn't. There's only two, right? Well, they are so convinced that that's their truth that they're willing to spend money to prove it to you that it's their truth. And ad campaigns and political movements and blah. And here we are. Look at the situation. You know, before, before long, you're going to have to introduce yourself with pronouns. Are you kidding me? Hell, I'll just refer to me as Superman, all right? Let's just settle that. This is insane what this whole thing is working. But here's what's happening. When you see error, your ego will fight you. Pay attention. Will fight you to convince you that you're not in error. Because you just can't handle it. Oh, you mean I've been wrong 20 years? Go ahead and accept it, fix it, and enjoy the next 20 years without error. How about that? But there's people that now have become aware of error but they are so invested in their error, they're not willing to give it up. Are you tracking with me? And I believe a lot of this, even this movement with the genders, there are a lot of people there that like, you know, they, they know that it's, that it's a joke, but they're so deep into it, and they're so woke, and they're, so, they're going to be you know, canceled and all that. They're not willing to pay the price 
to stay in truth. So they just go like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just stay with my error. And now that's the worst kind of deception because there's one kind of deception where you don't know any better. Okay, somebody told you something, you believed it. Then, oh, somebody gave you other information and you immediately say, okay, that was dumb, I'll choose the, the truth. But there's that. So there's that. There's that kind of deception that is enlightened deception. It is no longer deception. In other words, like, oh, I see it. Okay, correct. Let's move forward. But then there's other people that have been in error, and somebody shines a light on their error, and they're like, no. But like, really, look, I'll show you. Here's the evidence. Nope, 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 nope. You're wrong, and I'm right. At that point, you're in full deception now. Because you, you, are, you know you're wrong, but you're convincing yourself that you're right. That's pretty wicked. So maintaining error will drain your energy. Maintaining error in the spiritual arena. You know, if you come to this church and God shows you something we've been teaching for 20 years and then God gives us a, you know, extra, don't fight it. Just say, okay, now we're going with what we see now. Because revelation, that's what it is. Revelation goes on levels, right? It's revealed as you dig it. So make sure that your spiritual energy is not drained by maintaining spiritual error. If you know something that you believe is wrong... Over years, including anything that this church has preached, if you, you know, you and God and the Bible and you know this is the truth, you need to make a correction. You really need to make a correction. Because, you know, again, there, I, again, I just use it as examples. Don't, don't, there's no judgment in anything I say, but a lot of people that in, the, in our community, in Heavenville, don't come to the church because they were told from their foundations that if you go to any church that's not a Catholic church, you're going to go to hell. Well, that is an error. But people choose that. And they, and, and trust me, there's, there's, there's a lady, I'm not going to say her name. She would come to this church just for us to pray for her. What wonderful lady. She would never, ever, ever come to a service because she was very strong Catholic. But I asked her, so why do you come here? She says, es que ustedes tienen el rezo fuerte. That's what she told me. <laughs> Felt like a como curandero, okay, you know, like, oh. I'm going to write a book of all my one-liners someday that I've gotten out of church. But you know, and she, dear lady, I mean, I have no issues, and God bless her, and I, I have no issues with her belief system, because I, I've told you many, our enemy is not any other church. Hello? That's so stupid. You know, at the end of the day, if you believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, you're a Christian. Now, you want to add Catholic, Baptist, and all the other names you want to, Word of Faith, you know, Church of Christ, Church of God, I can think of half a dozen more. That's up to you. That's not up to God. God just says, you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus? Yeah, okay, we're good. But down here, we create all these rules, right? So, for example, that lady, she would come to us, and, and it was amazing, because she was going through some hard things, and we would pray, and guess what? God would answer. And this went on for like six months. You know, she wasn't here every week, but she, you know, she, she'd come, and, and we'd pray, and usually it was prayer service. And I would invite her, she, I said, come on Sunday, no, no, I can't go Sunday. I can't go Sunday. Well, I knew what I knew what she was saying. But again, I didn't touch that. You know, I respect people. I respect their beliefs. But my point is, she believed in error, and because that error was truth to her, her life was limited on what God could do. Because if, if here's the point: if you are happy in your church, don't come to this one. That makes sense. Oh, by the way, if you're happy in the church, don't look for another one. Let me put it that way. What makes you satisfied in any kind of religious experience? Well, to me, it would be that I'm seeing results. <laughs> you know, there's something, when I leave this morning, 
I got some information that's going to make my week just a little bit better. That's what this is about. If we don't leave here bigger than we came in, we're wasting our time, every one of us, including myself. We got to leave here thinking about this. If you guys go home and never talk about what was preached here, I'm wasting my, I don't know what I'm doing. Because there has to be something that you go back to your dinner table or supper table with your kids and say, you know what we learned in church today, guys? That this is the way we're supposed to think. Yeah, teach your kids how to think right, man. Your kids will have a great life. I'm serious, just teach them how to think. (laughs) That's the problem with this world. They don't know how to think. So maintaining error, make sure, you know, I don't spend too much time on this, will drain you of energy, be it spiritual, emotional, or physical. And a guy could break all of them down. Let your ego accept you've made the mistake, you know, even in, and take it out of the church context. Let's bring it into relationships. And I'm about to, I'm jumping into my next point, sort of. But what are, you know, what are some of the relationships in your life that the expectations are wrong? Marriage? Dad, kids, work relationships, church relationships. You know, so, so, you know, this idea of expectations goes everywhere. Because if you don't manage the, 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 the you know, if you, don't, if you don't have the right expectation, you're going to go, obviously, into place of error, of whatever that means. You know, people got married with the wrong expectation. Don't say amen. She's sitting next to you, all right? <laughs> I said last week, you know, it, it, it takes, it's hard to get a driver's license. You've got to study a book, take a test. But to get a marriage license, you've just got to go get one. They should make it harder to get a marriage license than a driver's license. Oh, you want a marriage license? Yeah, well, here, six weeks course here. Make sure. And we're going to make a test on it, make sure. Anyway, give me the next one. Identifying wrong expectations. Number three, overthinking. Now, nobody has that problem. This to be probably in my personal life. This could be one of the biggest drainers I have. Wow, my head just goes places it's not supposed to. Yeah, I read something really funny, and I just, I, I had to agree with it. Okay, raise your hands if you're an overthinker. Anybody an overthinker? Thank you. Okay, you're going to love this one then. I, I'm an overthinker bad, and I'm working, I'm asking God to help me. Not, not, and overthinking, I mean, thinking's good. What overthinking is you overthink things. It doesn't need that much thinking. And they say, don't ever, I read this the other day, I said, that is so true. That was me. And my kids can testify to that. Don't you ever tell a lie to an overthinker. Because he'll sit there and replay everything you said for the next two days. And they'll pick through your whole story. And they'll find every lie. I don't know if you believe that, but that's true. That's, you know, somebody tell me a story. My kids would, what happened? They'd say a story, and I'd just sit there. Hmm. I'd come back three hours later, you lied to me. <laughs> no, Dad. No, yeah, you lied. I just spent 45 hours overthinking what you told me. And I found a lot of gaps in your story. That has nothing to do with my message. I just thought that was funny. But overthinking is, to me, personally, probably the biggest drainer. You know, the little, the little idea, um, oh, you know, that's going to keep you up all night. Well, I don't really have that problem. I, I don't sleep that much, but I think that's just the way I'm wired. But I'll tell you one thing, when I wake up, my mind goes into hyperdrive. Of everything that I need to do, of everything that I did wrong the day before, of the could-haves and the will-bes and what's going to should-haves and all the other things. And if I'm not careful, I just, you know, I just slept and I felt good. (laughs) But the next 30 minutes, I'm sitting there just draining my life of all the energy. So recognize the overthinking, because here's the thing. Now, we started the year with this. 
oh, if I, if I could have done this. I was beating myself. This is how ridiculous it is. The other day I was coming out of the ranch, and it just, you know, this is the devil. He, he reminded me of some dumb financial things I had done like 20 years ago. And I lost some money, you know, whatever. And he brought it up, and I felt miserable about it. I'm thinking, oh, that was so stupid. Yeah, that was stupid. And I'm thinking, wow, that was 20 years ago. What am I doing? How is that going to affect my life in the present? Anybody? That's what overthinkers do. And then you're fi- okay, you finally got your past resolved, and you're here. Oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? Here we go again. And now all your energy is going into the future. And you're present. You're just lethargic. I don't feel like doing nothing. Why? Because all my energy is in the past and all my energy is in the future. You have to control your thoughts. That is so easy to say and so hard to do. But the more you practice the now, and I've I've preached on this a lot this year, the more you practice the moment, the moment, the, the, the more you realize that this is your whole life is right now. There's no other life but right now. There's no tomorrow life and there's no yesterday life. This is it. You be, the more you practice that, the more your thinking stays in that place. Because as soon as you sit down, and tell me if, if this is not how your head works, as soon as you sit down, your brain will just pound you with all the regrets and all the mistakes and all the stuff that could have been fixed. But at the end of the day, it makes a bit no difference because you don't live in either of those locations. Are you all with me? Remember I did the whole series on faith is now? The faith of now? This is where God moves? Now you can do things in your present that will affect your future. You can do things in your present that will heal you from your past. But you still live right here. Amen? So make sure you analyze the thoughts that drain you. And usually the thoughts that drain you are the thoughts that don't have a conclusion. In other words, you're thinking about what you said. You're thinking about what she said. You're thinking about what could have, should have. But it never has a conclusion. There's never like a book. You close it. When you see those thoughts, you, nobody else can help you. I mean, the Bible does say take every thought into captivity. And say, you know what, I'm not going to think that. Say it to yourself. I'm not going to think that. You might even have to say it out loud. Sometimes when you say things out loud, it breaks mental thinking. I, don't, I, don't, I could run you through an exercise to prove that point, which I'm not going to do. But say it out loud. No, I'm not going to think that. And I'm telling you, this thing happened last week. I felt, I, in, 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 it was like the speed of light, man. Like in, what was it? Like in 30 seconds, I felt from feeling pretty good to feeling remorse from what I did 20 years ago. Like, really? <laughs> That's how lame this thing is. So yeah, I'm dealing with this all the time. Number four. Like I said, I'm going to go through these quick. Mismanaging or maintaining relationships. Another strength eater. And I know I've, I've hit a lot of these points at the introduction, but are, is there a relationship in your life that all it does, it takes energy from you? Amen? Y'all want a rude awakening? Not that you do. I know you don't want it, so don't say yes. Look at your screen time on your phone every once in a while. Just every once in a while. How, much, how many hours were your eyes gazed on the screen? It's there. I'll turn on your phone. I'll tell you. Again, no judgment in it. Just got to think about it. Because there's a lot of hours that you could be bettering yourself. There's a lot of hours where you could be learning a new whatever, something you like to do. Maybe you like art. Maybe you like literature. Maybe you like sports. 
Maybe there's, there's time with your family that your family needs you desperately. I'm talking to everyone, not just dad, the kids. The kids, hey kids, your parents need you. Hello, they need to hang out with you also. But relationships drain you. And we maintain relationships through social media that are a complete farce. And we maintain an image in social media that is a complete farce also. Because nobody, I mean, there's a few people out there, and and I wonder about both. (laughs) When people put their whole life out there on Facebook, I'm like, I cringe, don't you? I mean, or even TikTok, if they just ladies cry, I'm not here because I'm like, dude, I cringe. Man. That's la ropa sucia se lava en casa. <laughs> just leave it at your house. But people are 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 engulfed with this world that is not even real. And again, I like it as much as anybody. I, you know, so I look at Facebook, I look at TikTok, all that. You know, but the relationships that you create in that virtual world—that's where I'm going with this whole thing. How much time are they consuming? I remember when Facebook came out, some of you weren't even alive. There was like a thing. How many remember there was like a thing? It wasn't like a, I guess, it didn't didn't matter to me, but I could sense it right when it came out, like the first few years. It was almost like a competition of who had more friends. Like, how many friends you got? I got 1,000. Oh, I got 5,000. Ooh, you're cooler than me. (laughs) There was a point, and on Facebook, I just, you know, you would just accept, you know, you were like, you're like the trash truck, man. Just pick it all up. People send friend requests. You don't even know. I mean, I was a, accept, accept. And I realized I had 1,500 people. I didn't know any of them. Anybody do Facebook purchase? Just go there and just delete all the people you don't know? That takes a lot of your time to maintain that. I'm not knocking Facebook. It's fun. It's cool. It's interesting. But look at your screen time because if you are spending all this time maintaining virtual relationships, you are drained. You are drained emotionally. Because it is a hard life. I mean, imagine trying to keep up with your whole... i gotta, I got to post it on Instagram. i got to post it on Snapchat. i got to post it on TikTok. i got to post it on Facebook. And I probably missed half a dozen more. You guys are, oh, Dad, uh, Pastor, you missed... See, I'm telling you, you guys, are, you guys need some help. Because every relationship in your life, guess what it takes? Time, and it takes energy. Raise these kids, right? It's going to take time, energy, and a ton of money. All right, I'll add money, all right? But every relationship will take time, and you cannot be everything to everyone. So from your virtual world to your natural world, are there relationships that the only thing they do in your life is drain you? Are there friendships that have gone past their expiration date? Some of you are like, oh, no, let me tell you something about that. The Lord, the Lord showed me this years and years ago. He said, not every relationship that comes into your life is supposed to be there forever. God will send people in your life to adjust your life for a season. That doesn't mean they're going to be there the whole, your whole life. See, as a pastor, I had a, I had a deal with that, especially with, with close, close, close people leaving the church. You know, people come and go to the church all the time. I'm, I get that. But when you have, like, a team, and for years, and then one day they just get up and leave, and, and like, whoa. And, and as a pastor, you know, because it's family to me. I take it, you know, I'm talking people that traveled with you, people, you know, went to countries with you, you know, did ministry together. I'm talking years, over 20 years. And all of a sudden, one day, they, they get mad about something, they leave. Well, as a pastor, that's, ah. And then God, God healed me. He said, well, they were there for a season. Enjoy, did you enjoy Yeah, they were there. Okay, then move on. That has helped me so much. That has helped me so much when people get mad and leave. 
because I don't have to be mad at them. I don't have to be upset at them. I don't have to hate them. I don't have to talk negative about them. I just say, thank you, God, they were in my life for this season. And thank you, God, they're out of my life now. I'm serious. There are not, not every relationship is there forever. Now, there's some that, yes, you know, you're married, whatever. Your kids are there forever. Like it or not, they're there forever. Oh, I just can't wait till they're 18. Uh-huh. They're coming back, and they're coming back with some more. All right? Anyway. So, check how much energy are you expending on relationships that have no fruit. Is that okay? Is that helping anybody this morning? Now, that doesn't mean, I'm going to get a divorce. No. <laughs> if that's where you're at, we, you need to come and talk to me, all right? Okay, number five. We're almost done, guys. Strength. You're not going to like this one, but it's the truth, is developed through hardships. None of us want to go through stuff. But we are going to go through stuff. So you can make a decision about how you're going to manage what you're going through. Are you going to roll up and die? Or or remember one of my first points this morning? Are we going to keep moving forward? Are we going to build a house in the shadow of the valley of death? Or are we going to keep moving toward the mountain? Strength is developed through hardships. You see, hardships are still going to come. Now, this is not a message about hardships. We all have our own little version of what was not good this week or what was not good, what the doctor said, or whatever. So the hardships are are coming. How do you navigate through them is what's going to make you either stronger or weaker during the hardship. Because, you know, if you want to use the analogy of working out, what makes your muscles grow? Anybody know? Well, I'm going to the gym. I'm pumping out. No, no. Tell me exactly. Tell me exactly. If you don't know, most of you know, but I'm going to tell you in case you don't know. What makes a muscle grow? Well, just continue. No, 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 no. It's actually pretty brutal what makes a muscle grow. If I just pump enough, my muscles have to grow. No. You know what you're, you know, that's why people go to the gym and they work out and work out and never get any progress because they never take their workout to failure. You got to get your muscle to fail. Because when your muscle fails, your muscle tendons, they rip. You're tearing your muscles. And when they heal, guess what happens? They get bigger. And then you go to the gym and you tear your muscles, all the pieces again. And then they heal, they grow bigger. That's how a muscle grows. A muscle has to be broken for it to grow. Now, that's not a, no, that's a, that's a hard message. No, that means we have to go through trouble. No, no, no. The trouble's going to come. And how are you going to manage it? Is, is it going to be a season where you're willing to grow through the hardship, or are you just going to roll up and die? Well, I'm not going to roll up and die, church. So now, during the season of hardship, whatever that may be, I'm looking for the areas where I need to be stronger. Because I'll tell you, we've gone through some stuff in the last couple of years in our house that you know, I'm not going to get into details, but they have taught me a lot of things. and I've learned so many things in the last two years. And things that I didn't know, and things that I've changed my perspective on what I thought I knew. But I'll tell you one thing, I'm looking to be stronger. I'm looking to be stronger. You know, the old saying, overused saying, says that the things that don't kill you will make you stronger. Well, those muscles, unless they break, unless they fail, unless you rip those fibers up, you're not going to grow. You're just going to wear yourself out. That's why you see people go to gym all their life, and they look exactly the same. You know anybody like that? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> That's why I stopped going. Anyway, here's the thing. Don't shy away from trouble. Don't wish it, don't want it, but Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation, right? 
So what are we going to do? We're going to overcome it. That's what he said. In this world you'll have tribulation. Hey, but fear not. You overcome. Everybody say, I'm a world overcomer. <laughs> okay, so next time you're going through something difficult, I'm going to make my point and I'm going to move on. Next time something is full of confusion, don't look to hide under the bed. Look to say, okay, what am I going to learn from this? Okay, what, how am I going to become stronger out of this? And you know what? You're going to find these things. So remember, strength will come through hardships. Number six, not replenishing. And I want to spend just briefly on this one. What does that mean? You need time to recover. Back to my analogy of the muscle. If you've ever been with a trainer, if you've ever trained you know, professionally or right, they'll, they'll do something, right? They do legs one day. They do arms another day. They do upper body, whatever. The reason is they're, they're going to take you to failure. And you're so beat up on your arms that you would actually damage your arms if you trained arms the next day. You understand that? So you went all out on your biceps today. I mean, you can't even pick your arms up and they're just hurting. Your trainer would make a big mistake to put you back on, on arms the next day. He could really hurt you really bad. Why? Because your muscles are destroyed. And they need time for what? For healing. In other words, they need to be replenished. Again, are you replenishing the strength? Because strength, I see strength kind of like faith, right? You know, strength comes, but strength is used. Spiritual, emotional, and natural. All your strength comes, but it's used. Faith comes by hearing, but it's used. So are you replenishing it? And one thing I have found in my life is that, you know, we, we look at life like, oh, how many have said it? I said it twice this week. Oh, I need a vacation. Anybody? What you're saying is, I need some rest. But what's happened is, if you were actually to take that vacation, you're not going to get any rest. You're going to be more drained when you get home. And sunburned. Oh, I can't even put my toe there. You have fun? Oh, it was awesome. Ouch! We have these ideas that resting is, I've got to go to faraway land and lay on a beach. I mean, that's wonderful if you can rest. But resting is not that. Because I have found out that my weariness does not get fixed with sleeping. Anybody? Your tiredness does not get fixed with sleeping. So what, what, where's that tiredness coming from? It's coming from an emotional tiredness. It's coming from a spiritual tiredness. So when we talk about not replenishing is, do you spend time getting your spiritual and your emotional energy back? Well, how do I do that, Pastor? By being alone. Well, I got all these kids. I see, but you have to have these times because you can replenish in 20 minutes. You can replenish in 20 days. It doesn't, it's, not, it's not like a, well, I need a, you know, a one-week vacation to replenish. No, no, that, that's what you might need. But at the end of the day, you, God is the one that is the source of all strength. And the replenishing really comes back to a very simple, simple scripture in the Bible. that says, be still and know. That's all it is. That be still and know is, it, 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 and I'm talking in your day. Don't say in your week. In your day, there should be a little space. Where you can, and I'm oh, our little devotional time. No, I'm not talking about devotional time. I'm talking there's a space in your day where you can just hang out with God, even if you don't pray, even if you don't talk, but you can get away from everything, leave the phone, put everything down, just you and your brain and God. And that's called replenishing. Because this is what we do, you know, we're going to replenish, we're going to rest, so we pick up again our little device and we're resting. No, you're not, your brain is still engaged, going through whatever you're going through. So replenishing is really, really a key, you know. And the Bible, I'm going I'm to close the scripture, this teaching with a bunch of scriptures here in a minute. But replenishing is a command from God. <laughs> and we don't do it. 
Remember the Sabbath? That was his idea. When God said, you know, he, made, he created the heavens and the earth, you know, for six days he worked, he made this thing, and then on the seventh day he says he rested, it wasn't that he was tired. <laughs> it was that he was done. And I think closure to things in our life is part of the replenishing. That's why we have day and night. That's why we have more, you know, morning and evening. Everything starts and everything ends. And I think the replenishing is, is part of that. Make sure your mind over everything, your mind is rested and your spirit is fed. If your mind is rested and your spirit's fed, your physical body will manifest that, that strength. That, that is just normal. So replenishing, you know, think about this. What are the things that will bring your strength back to you? And start with spirit. Always start with spirit because we're spiritual beings first and foremost. Well, the instructions that Joshua got was if you meditate on this word day and night. That doesn't mean just reading the Bible. It just means every situation in my life goes through a filter called God's word. That's it. If I want to get even, what did God say? If I'm having a bad day, what did God say? You know, and I think replenishing is because God's word causes peace. God's word causes shalom. God causes, the word of God is the place of rest. And it's not easy to get there because you really have to work to get there, but you can. So remember those, those six points. I had, you know, I had like 12 when I started this, and I deleted six. So what were they? No, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Too much time. All right. Give me the scriptures. I'm just giving you three scriptures just to bring everything home. And I just pray to God you got out of something this morning. And next week we're going to talk about courage and we're going to combine them and you're going to walk out of here wanting to fight every devil you can find. Glory to God. Anyway, this is what 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul's speaking to the church. He says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. Now he's talking about, I'm sorry, let me preface it. He's talking about going to God. Say, God, help me with this situation I'm dealing with. And he goes on to say, he says, my power works best in weakness, so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, I have strength, or I am strong. Well, that's an oxymoron, Pastor. You know, you're talking about being strong, and Paul's talking about weakness. Well, here's the key, because remember I told you the last statement I made is, all this teaching will start from spirit. It has to start from spirit. You've got a weak spirit, you're going to have a weak physical body. Weak mind, weak everything. So, this is what I love about the scripture because, again, some of the wrong things that the church has taught, I'm talking the evangelical church, you know, is that God just, you know, God's going to fix every problem you have, and, you know, and then we go to extremes. If you give money, God's going to do this. Ooh, that's, that's, out, that's way out there, right? Um, and we create all this narrative that if you're not an absolute 100% victory, somehow you're not doing things right. Right? Just look how people greet themselves in church. How you doing? I'm blessed of the Lord. When's the last time you walked into church? And I'm praying to God that our church can be that church. And I'm not saying with everybody because you guys know that. But I'm praying to God that when somebody comes to church and they're having a bad day, they can say, I'm having a bad day. All hell broke loose in my house, pastor. But you know, we've been to that. Oh, glory to God, I'm blessed. Because somehow we created a narrative that if I show I'm a weak Christian, or no, if I show my weakness, I am a weak Christian. Somewhere in the world we created. That's why I'm talking this church and probably most evangelical churches in America. That's how you greet people. That's how people greet you. And by the way, I'm 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 guilty. You know how many times have you said, "Hey, Pastor, how you doing?" I'm blessed, and you don't know half the hell that we're going through. 
That's not lying. That just simply means we've, we've been doing this so long that if you don't walk around with a bunch of money and a bunch of blessings hanging off your arm, somehow you're not doing what God told you to do. That's not in the Bible. The biggest heroes in the Bible had crazy, crazy deaths. <laughs> the heroes in the Bible went through some really bad stuff. They went through some really dark seasons. You want to talk about dark seasons? Talk about this guy. Paul, are you kidding me? Every time you turn around, he's in a mess. So the narrative is, weakness is okay. That's a new narrative. Because he's, I mean, it's not a new narrative. That's what God said. Paul's over there. God, take this off of me. God, take this off of me. God, take this off of me. And God says, my grace is sufficient. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's have grace to his thing, Lord. <laughs> he said, no. The problem, Paul, is you haven't accepted. You're still trying to fight that. You're not weak in that. That's what he was telling Paul. He says, when you accept grace, and you accept that there's no way that you can resolve that problem, guess what happens? You get spiritual strength. And that takes me back to my very, very first point. I don't want to preach it again, but that's one of your limitations. Right there. Coming to God and accepting that you don't have it all together, that accepting that, yes, I am weak in this area, yes, my flesh is beating me up in this area. Come on, church is a hospital. Say amen. This is not a place to walk in perfect. This is a place to walk in dirty and get cleaned up. When did this become the place to walk in perfect? Well, I've got to go to church because I've got to be perfect. Oh, I can't go to church. Ha, ha, the, if I go to church, the church will burn down. Where did that come from? Because the church has made an image. If you're not as good as we are, you're not welcome here. Well, that's the biggest lie of hell. Because Jesus told, said, I didn't come for the good ones. I came for the sick. In other words, I came for the weak. And, and I think this is kind of a, you know, the back door into what I'm trying to preach. Because we're always, I'm strong, I'm it, I got it all together. Uh-uh. It's okay to say I am weak. It's okay to say some of these things because he said, for when I acknowledge I can't do it because I have no strength left, empowerment comes. I become strong. That's the limitation. To know what is God's part and which is your part, if you can figure this thing out, you will walk in strength. You will walk in a place because we are doing, a lot of times we are doing God's part. I'll prove it to you. You know what worrying is? God's part. <laughs> Y'all didn't want to hear that one, right? Does God worry? No, God doesn't worry. God fixes. Why are you worrying? Well, maybe if I worry enough, I'll fix it. Let me just worry, 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 worry. No, it's not going to fix it. Because worry, again, puts something either in the past or in the future. <laughs> worry is never in the present. Amen. Okay. And 10 is the one that I'm trying to still figure out. Maybe I'll preach it when I get better revelation. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. When's the last time you took pleasure in weakness? I think we need to take pleasure in weakness because you know what that's telling you? God's got it. Are you here? You don't have to fight every battle, church. You don't have to be everything for everybody. You don't have to always be the victor, the great charging conqueror of your family. No, no you, know, you, can, you can show where you need God. And I think in Paul's life, that was one of the biggest testimonies about, about who God was because Paul was an amazing, amazing person, but he still recognized these things. And through these couple scriptures, he goes, you know, how many times do you see it? My power works best, where? 
It's up on the screen, guys. It's not difficult. Some of you are like, what did he say when I was right there? My power, this is God speaking, works best in weakness. That's like, uh, really? So isn't it, should be our job to identify areas where we can't fix it and quit trying to fix it? That's an area of weakness. There's There's a character issue in your life. There's a situation. Maybe you have bad attitude and you've tried to fix it. If you can't fix it, give it to God. Everything, everything from your character to life-threatening situations. There's your part, and there's God's part. And we lose strength when we're trying to do God's part. I mean, we lose all our strength, and not only our strength, we get mad at God, we get frustrated, we get depressed, because God said, that, that's, you, know, you, are, you are trying to be strong in an area where you're never going to be strong. And that is the God area of your life. God wants that area so he can prove continually to you how much he loves you. That's all it is. Come on, parents. Are there things for your kids that you still do even though they can do it for themselves? <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, you don't go there, pastor. I'll tell you why you do it. It's called I love. It's called love. There's no other reason but love. You know, they can do it, but no, I'll do it for them because it's called love. You ever pick up after your kids after you threaten to kill them for not picking up their clothes? I will hang you by your toes. You're like, whatever, Dad, just pick it up. Yay, boss. I love that because that's who God is. God is just God is really wanting to nurture you. But He fights with us more than He fights with the devil. Because like God, I want to do this. I am the victor. He's like, you're gonna screw it up. Don't go there. Yay, boss. Blow up. Oh, Lord, I told you. <laughs> Come here, let me fix you up. That's, that's, that's how amazing he is. Amen? All right, give me the next one, RJ. I think, what's that the last one? Philippians 4.13. A very, very familiar love scriptures. I have strength for all things. In who? Oh, I'm going to finish on a good scripture. We were there in the weakness. Now we're going to go into strength. Yes, once you acknowledge your weakness, guess what? You acknowledge the strength. And it's not coming from you. This is the Amplified Bible, and I really love it because they use one little thing, and it's the word infuses. He says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. All right, historical context. He's writing it from prison. He's writing it as a thank you for an offering. I mean, right in there, right after that, he's talking about an offering. He's talking about they sent money. He was in a horrible prison. The prison was actually a cesspool, and they would dump him in that prison cesspool in Rome, Mamertime Prison, which was under the palace. And Paul could write this. I have strength for how many things, church? We're almost done. Look alive, all things. You're like, Pastor, you don't even know the stuff I'm facing. How am I going to get through this stuff? Well, here's the thing. You're going to have to decide whose strength are you going to use to get through that. (laughs) That's a word for somebody this morning. Whose strength are you going to use to get through that? You're going to get through it somehow. But whose strength are you going to use? Because if you're going to use your strength, you're going to become drained really quick. Because there are things you're not capable of. 
You're, you're not a creator. You're not, you're not creating worlds. The only thing you create is problems. So accept the creator and you're a creation. Because we act like creators, right? I got this. Well, sometimes you do, but there's a lot of times you don't. And the ones that you don't is the ones Paul was referring to. Take this off of me. We don't know. Let, let me go back to the Paul reference. We don't know if it was a sickness. There's an assumption that it was. We don't know if it was people that were harassing him, like hardcore harassing him. We don't know what it was. But it was something that was not leaving his life. So question, is there something in your life that you have got to fix? You have got to get out of your life to fix it or whatever, and it just doesn't seem to be happening. Could it be that you're still trying to fix that? And that's why you're getting worn out, because you've been praying over this thing for years and years and years, and you're like, finally gave up. You're like, I guess God's never going to do it. No, the problem is God's going to do it when you give it up. Because he will not violate your will. And I'm telling you, I believe there's people that are supposed to be already born again, and the only reason they're not born again is because of me. (laughs) If you would just leave it alone, God would have made a path for them to get to Jesus. But we were over there trying to drive Jesus like a, you know, like a pylon into their brain, well, that's not going to work. I have strength for all things. That's the same guy that wrote the other one, by the way. (laughs) The one that I am weak, same author. The one that said, in my weakness I find strength, I guess he found it. Because he's the one that said, I have strength. And the only reason he can say he he has strength is because he acknowledged the weakness that he was in prison and Jesus gave him whatever he needed to live in this horrible place. Which, by the way, the book of Philippians is the book of most joy of all the letters that Paul wrote. And it's the one written in the most miserable and horrific conditions. Go figure. And he says that I am ready for anything and equal to anything. And the key that I like the Amplified is the word infuses. Infuses, an infusion is not a mix. I don't know if you understand that. I mean, if, you, if anybody working you know, with labs or anything, if I, if I mix this with, let's say, that energy C, you know, little powder thing, and you shake it up, and now it's orange or yellow or whatever, that's not an infusion. That's a mix. Well, what's the difference? An infusion is a different process in chemistry because an infusion, you take the water or whatever substance, and you take whatever other substance, and you're going to create an environment where both substances will break down to the point that they become one. That's an infusion versus a mix. Get it? And I think a lot of times in church, we have a mixed relationship with Jesus. If I can mix a little Jesus into the situation, it's going to get better. So let me just pour my little energy C for Jesus, for Christ, in my life and mix it, and Jesus, go get it. And then you got a frustration, because why? Because you have the wrong expectation on wrong information. Versus an infusion where you become so close to God that you're blended, and that's what he's referring to, and you become one. And once that infusion is set, there is no chem- I mean, I'm sure there is somehow a chemical process, if you were talking scientifically, to separate them again, but it's very, very difficult. Because once an infusion takes place, you've created pretty much a new substance. Think about what Jesus is telling you this morning. When you came to Jesus, it's not you and Jesus. And Paul spent a lot of time in the book of Ephesians making reference to one. You are one. 
one baptism, one God, one faith. One, 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 one. And I think, to me, when I begin to really pull, because, boy, this, this scripture, we memorize it, we teach it to our children, that there's just a simple truth here that we, we, we just don't spend enough time on this, and we go by it because it says, I have strength for all things. Stop. Close your eyes. Follow me. I got my eyes closed. Identify something in your life right now that you feel you don't have strength with. You can't deal with it anymore. Person, place, or thing. Okay? Open your eyes. You got it? <laughs> You're like, I have strength for that. Uh, no, pastor, you just took me down this weird mental game where I just realized I don't have strength for it. And now you're telling me I have strength for it? No. You have strength when you're infused. Because now the battle belongs to him. Glory to God. Ooh, I'm preaching better than you're amening this morning. When there's a full infusion, when somebody messes with you, a devil or any situation in life, they're messing with God. Oh, I could tell you stories, church. I'm not, because the time's up. About people that, that I, I just saw this. This is a long story. I'm not gonna, you, you, I've seen this, trust me. I've seen when God is on your side, you just got to sit down and relax. And be patient. And don't stop walking out of love. Even bad situations, bad people, negative people, people that have hurt you, just relax. Because vengeance is his. Now, we're not after the vengeance but the vengeance is a consequence of their actions against the children of God. We're not after that. Don't you just no, no, no. I, I mean, people have come against uh, God. Bless, I pray for everyone. Bless those that persecute you. I don't really have time to get mad at people that talk bad. I really don't. I used to, but not anymore. But God does it, and that's. I think that is the whole idea of where we're going with this message. Can you find a place in your life where this is beca- becoming real? I am ready for anything. You need to walk out of this church saying, "I'm ready for." Say it. I'm ready for anything. Say it like you mean it. You're not intimidating. I'm ready for everything. I'd just punch you right out if you told me that. So if I squared up on you, I'd be like, I'm ready for anything, Pastor. You should go, I'm ready for everything. All right, okay, I won't mess with you then. Because we have a Savior. We have a God that is real. And it's time for the church to stop being a weak church. And I'm not just talking about, you know, evangelism. I'm talking emotionally. Physically, we have to have this peace, this energy that passes all understanding, and it's a place of rest. The place of rest, again, is not a vacation. The place of rest is not go, you know, lay on a beach. That's wonderful if you can do that. The place of rest is that. When you know that you know that at the end of this thing, God's got it. Well, what if he don't? Then it doesn't really matter. Hey, man. Is that the last one, RJ? We good? All right, stand to your feet. Oh, no, this one. Go ahead, stand to your feet anyway. <laughs> this is my, one of my favorites. I won't even preach that one. Glory. Did you get something out of it this morning? Beautiful scripture. I'm going to build off that one next week. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. You ready? That's a weak people, right? Fainted, exhausted, we're worn out. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord. If you're here this morning and and this message you feel is for you, if you feel like you've been spiritually weak, emotionally weak, you know, physically weak, I I don't know. This is the idea of this, you know, to, um, to bring this message 
And help us replenish today. Help us replenish the places that maybe we've overworked it. We've done it more than we could have. Maybe we've invested way too much time in a relationship or trying to fix somebody that doesn't want to get fixed. I don't know. I'm just going through scenarios that possibly somebody watching me online or somebody in the building or somebody listening to the podcast in the future. Stop wasting your energy for things that don't matter. I believe that's a word for all of us. Stop investing your energy in things where there will be no return. So that's you this morning. I'm not going to ask anybody to come up or nothing. I started to this morning when I was praying, but I said, you know, this is is kind of a personal thing. But I would be the first one, trust me, I'd be the first one to run up here right now and say, Lord, I need strength. I've, I've gone through these seasons, you know, it seems like for the last 12 months we've gone on a, been on a roller coaster ride. And, oh, my God, sometimes it's just like, Lord, I need rest. So if that's you this morning, I want you to lift one hand up to heaven. Let's believe this, right? Let's wait on the Lord. Waiting is not like waiting on a bus. Remember that. We're not, okay, I hope God shows up and, and, and gives me strength and, and renews, renews me like an eagle. No, waiting is resting in him. You are waiting in him. You're not waiting on him. You're waiting in him. So, Father, as we wait upon the Lord this morning, for every hand that's up, for every person that is tired, that may be emotionally, maybe spiritually, I pray for our leadership, Father. Every, every leader of this church, Lord, don't you ever, Father, let them get tired in well-doing. And if that's, Father, if we're getting weary in well-doing, then, Father, show us how to fix it. But, Father, we take this scripture very seriously. And we make a choice this morning to wait upon you. And if you're, you know, if this is for you, this week God's going to force you to slow down. And boy, some of you are going to realize that is a hard thing to do. That is a hard, I remember when God, you know, God's been dealing with this on years for me because I'd always be 100 miles an hour and God says that's not the way to live. You've got to slow down. You've got to slow down. You've got you to gotta wait. You've got to wait and see <laughs> the goodness of God. You've got to be in silence in His presence sometimes, not just blabbing off prayers, just sit there with him and not say a word. What's he doing? He's replenishing you. So, Father, this morning I believe for a move of the Holy Spirit that anyone in this room, including myself, Lord, we need our spiritual strength replenished. And we make the commitments to feed on your word, to get our nutrition from the word, but, Father, also that we ingest it properly, that we understand our part, Father, that that we stop trying to run this thing into the ground, that, Father, we, we, we get comfortable with who we are. We get comfortable with who you are. And, Father, like the previous scripture, we believe that you have infused us with your Son. We don't believe with just us and Jesus. We are one, and where we move, he moves. And when we talk, he talks. And when we lay our hands, he lays his hands. And, Father, we have to understand that. And I just thank you, Lord, that right now, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, For anybody that is tired, that was willing to give up, that was just worn out spiritually. I might be talking to somebody here or somebody online, I don't know, but you were almost done with this whole Christian thing. Listen to me. Just because you've had some bad Christian experiences with Christians doesn't make Jesus wrong. Don't blame Jesus on on our faults. God wants you, and he wants that relationship with you, and that relationship's past the church. It's not a church relationship. It's a personal one-to-one, and if that's you... This service was for you. Don't you dare give up.
don't you dare fold this thing. Because there's nothing to go back to. We came from a dark place. Why would we want to go back to that dark place? So, Father, right now, for anybody that's considered backsliding or whatever they want to call it, for anybody that just physically, emotionally drained, Father, whatever situation at home needs to be fixed, whatever toxic people are are fueling this, Father, let them identify it. And this week, Father, we're going to take this word seriously. We're going to do our part to identify the sources that just drain us. And we are going to bring closure to those and move forward in your strength. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you, Lord, for this church. I bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Glory to God. Well, if you got something out of that, give the Lord a hand clap, would you? Glory to God. You may be seated. I know y'all don't believe me anymore, but I was going to let you out early today, but it's not happening. I'm like, today we're going to get out early because we got off the stage earlier. And like, no, I just preached longer. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, I'm just going to give you guys a quick update, but I I was going to bring it up, but I won't. So, um, again, back to Cuba. That's that's what's going on. Our our trip is officially happening. I haven't bought tickets or anything. So we will be going, um, myself and, and Pastor Dan Stratton, back to Cuba for a men's conference, and we have a budget for the whole thing. And the reason I tell you this is if God tells you to be part of it, be part of it. If not, that's fine. You know, God's going to get it done, I believe, with all my heart. So, you know, and it's a joint effort. It's not on our church. You know, Faith Exchange, everything we do is in partnerships. Our budget for this this meeting is about $11,000, which includes the rental of buses, feeding. um, We're talking about 300 pastors, but it might be more. It might be, now it looks like 400 or 350 so we're going to board them and feed them for three days and bring them from the buses all the way from Havana to the other end of the island from Orguin. So we're sending a bus to Orguin, Havana. Anyway, there's five buses. I don't, I'm not going to take care of all the cities. But. So that's our budget. And if you believe of our, what we're doing in Cuba is significant, well, we thank you for your partnership. And we thank our online church that's watching us also for your partnership on Cuba. So that's, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, I spoke with Elson. We haven't gotten the, the dates locked in, but we are talking about um, in December having a celebration, and I want to bring two people that are very close to me to speak, and one would be Elson Bennett, and he's just pending confirmation, so that's coming down you know, for first part of December. So there's a couple of things that I know, and again, I'm not good at announcements. Kathy's the best, so you'll have to wait till next week if I miss something. <laughs> so anyhow, and to give online here in our church, there's your instructions. So Said that, stand to your feet, and I'll get you home. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, but that message helped me a lot. I'm like, yeah, think about that, Freddie. I think I'll give myself an offering. <laughs> I, I needed that message. You know, I, I, when I preached it, it, it came from a place of me, but then I see it like, wow, there's so many things. I'm going to go back and listen to it myself. <laughs> Father, we just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the peace that you bring. And, Lord, if we're going to walk out of this building with one thing, it's with peace. Life is coming in all kinds of versions of it and the craziness that we see in society. But, Father, at the end of the day-